Hello, and thanks for joining us for the Education Doctor Radio Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Ellis. The Education Doctor Radio Show is your family source for educational excellence. Our program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, where I'm the principal consultant, and our mantra is Access, Thrive, Graduate. You can learn more about our firm at CompassEducationStrategies.com. Thanks to everyone who is listening to our show today. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in. If you're listening to a podcast of this program, we also want to thank you for joining us. For future show updates and ongoing relevant education news, please join our Facebook community by searching for The Education Doctor, then clicking like. You can also find us on Twitter at The Education Doc and on Foursquare where you can see our tips to prep schools, colleges, and graduate schools around the country. There are lots of ways to stay connected with us, so please join our community wherever you are online. We have a great show lined up for you today. Our show today is an extension of our conversation from last week with Dr. Denise Pope. Dr. Pope leads the Challenge Success Project at Stanford University, and she shared with us some tips about managing and recognizing stress. The top stressors for students, and keep in mind that stress starts as early as third grade then continues into college, the top stressors are academics, grades, testing, testing, and listen up, college admissions. Because my firm does work with students who are applying to college, you know I'm seeing some elevated stress levels right about now. The common application was released on August 1st, the first ACT is offered this Saturday, September 10th. Many seniors are returning to school with two or more AP courses this year. The SAT is offered on October 1st, which many students are studying for, especially if they've decided to retake the exam for a better score. So all the high stressors, academics, grades, Testing and college admissions are like a perfect storm for high school seniors. That's why you're listening to this show today. Stress has so many other ill effects that students and parents do not need. The aim of our show is to bring families strategic and practical information that supports their educational success. And that's what we're doing with this show, certainly this afternoon. Our guest today is a seasoned admissions professional with 10 years at the University of Chicago, Colin Johnson. It's really a small world because she and I lived on the University of Chicago campus at the same time. She was a graduate student when my husband was a graduate student there. And with all the people on the High Park campus, we didn't meet then. I actually met her during my tour of the campus this summer. Although I know the campus fairly well from having lived there, I still wanted to go through a full tour and presentation from the vantage point of current families who are considering the university. It was quite an informative tour and session because there have been a lot of changes at University of Chicago. 
And quite frankly, I knew the graduate community when I lived there, which seems to be quite different from the undergraduate community. So we'll talk more with her about that. So my guest, Colin Johnson, is the Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at University of Chicago. She's going to talk with us about admissions at a selective institution such as hers, as well as provide some actionable tips for students and their parents on calming the stress of admissions, <laughs> calming the stress. Before we start, I want to make sure that our listeners have our contact information. Our email address is radio at compasseducationstrategies.com if you'd like to submit a question. And you can also call in to our show, and our number is 714-333-3356. Our switchboard is located in sunny Southern California. I'm broadcasting live from Dayton, Ohio, and Colin is joining us from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. So we are covering all areas of the country today. <laughs> so we will start back right after this break. I am back now with Colin Johnson, who is the Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at University of Chicago. Colin, are you on the line now? I am indeed. Thank okay, you so much for having great. me, Pamela. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for joining. How are you doing today? I am I'm excellent. I'm about to start my fall travel season where I go and recruit in my uh, assigned territorial regions, and um, this is the day before I hit the flights, so this is perfect oh, timing. Oh, my goodness. It is a great time to reach you then, <laughs> for sure. Now, which territories do you cover? Uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Guam, the Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, uh, and the islands in the Caribbean. Oh my goodness, you got some really yeah. nice spots. I guess yes, that comes yes, with I seniority, in, huh? It, it was actually it came with luck. Um, okay. And though my my luck was a little bit bad in Puerto Rico, I bumped into Irene, and so that was oh, a, my that was my first hurricane. So it's kind of interesting. Oh wow! Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah. So, Colin, before we start talking admissions, you attended University of Chicago as a graduate student and now work in undergraduate admissions. Do you think there's a difference in the undergraduate and graduate experiences there? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And, and it has a lot to do with where a student is in their lives. Um, as, a, as a graduate student, in many ways, you you finished college and maybe you've got a family. You definitely probably have a couple pets. I mean, you, you really have a full life with, you know, an apartment and, and all that kind of stuff. And so going to and from campus is really about going to your designated buildings and talking to the, a certain set of professors and then going home. Whereas with with undergraduates, it's it's a full uh, immersion in the campus environment. Uh, there are yeah. activities and clubs and dorms and uh, dining halls and, and the, the full set. And, and the undergraduates have access to all of the buildings on the campus um, as opposed to, you know, specializing in one particular area. So uh, it's a much richer and more involved engagement with the campus at the undergraduate yeah. level. You know, that's a good way to phrase it because when I was there, I lived on the other side of the midway just next to the <laughs> School of Social Work, and it felt yeah. like another world <laughs> over there. 
<laughs> it wasn't busy as the other side of the midway. So I definitely hear you about that. Definitely. Yeah. So what have been some of the changes that you know that you've noticed over the years in undergraduate admissions? Um, well, the, the biggest thing has been just in the uh, in the University of Chicago world, there's an explosion in our applicant pool. Um, when I started here uh, at, during my graduate student years um, as a part-time counselor, we had about we topped out at about 8,000 applications, and last year we had over 22,000. So there's been been just an explosion. Um, I am seeing many more applications and and just fantastic applications from multicultural students. In addition to being a senior admissions uh, official, I'm also the director of multicultural outreach, so I, I definitely mm -hmm. pay attention to the, the multicultural applications that, that come through our office. Um, it, I'm seeing more involvement uh, from parents, and that can be good and bad, you know, like it's sort of bitter and, and, and the sweet at the same time. Yeah, you got to speak to that. When you say involvement, <laughs> what does what exactly does that mean? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, we always have seen um, maybe the, the more reticent student, the the parent step forward and and take care of of things or in face to face encounters, and when we have events on the campus. But more and more, we are seeing more parents sort of with their virtual presence, you know, either on the phone or online. And uh, it's amazing how they can really drown out the voice of the student who is applying. So, I mean, one of the, the, the challenges for families, I think, is for, for parents to strike a, a more – I'd say a more healthy balance between um, being getting the information they need to know, but also uh, making sure that their their child, their student, uh, feels empowered to have a voice in this process as well. Because ultimately, this is the student's process. Exactly. Exactly. That's well said. Well said, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> now, you had mentioned about some of the changes in applicants. Can you elaborate on that more? Like, are you seeing students across the board who have more, for instance, community service involvement than you have seen earlier in your admissions experience? How, how have applicants really changed? Well, I mean, I what think... Right, and what, what they bring. I, I, I mm -hmm. think one of the things I'm seeing, and again, this is good and bad, There there's students depending on the resources of their high school can can really come with an incredibly polished package of of extracurriculars and and community service hours and uh, uh really sort of spectacular uh, supplemental recommendations and, and things like that and i'm seeing more of that now sort of a very polished package um, whereas students who ha are have are coming for from high schools with um, well under resourced or lower resourced uh, high schools, it, it's it's a little bit rockier, but you know that doesn't hurt the applicant. I mean, I think one of the stress stressors that can really hit students at this time is that they they'll they'll freak out and say, oh. My application package doesn't look as good as somebody else's, blah, blah, blah. The most important thing is to express yourself clearly in your essays. Um, avoid leaving blanks on the application. Each 
each space on each field on the application is an opportunity to share uh, information about yourself, and and you should really take advantage of of each spot. Um, and in particular, I, I I see the extracurriculars chart is an area where um, students can sometimes um, well leave things blank and say, oh, I, I submitted a resume, or just truncate things in a way that doesn't put their best foot forward. And that is an absolutely, you know, uh, that, that's an opportunity to tell us as much about yourself outside of the classroom as possible. And we can talk a little bit why, a little bit later about why your involvement outside of the classroom can be very important. Okay. Well, can we touch on just briefly, I know you don't usually work with international applicants, but have there been any changes uh, in the pool of international applicants that you're seeing to the university overall? Um, I think I think more international students are applying to uh US uh, colleges more, more than ever um the mm-hmm. and these these are and and from just a host of countries um yeah. it, it's really quite amazing how international our applicant pool and and applicant pools at all uh, universities they they're really getting we're we're really attracting some some really fantastic students from abroad mhm Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Now, Colin, I want to talk, I want to hear a little bit more about what happens after students press submit and (laughs) you get all of these applications. Can you just let us peek inside the admissions office a bit and tell us what happens? After what that. what happens for for four months? Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is a, a four month reading cycle. Um, well, as I said earlier, I am the regional counselor, and 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 I'm going to speak mostly. We're gonna, I'm going to start talking from uh, the U Chicago standpoint, but then I'll extrapolate out a little bit more generally. But I, I mentioned that I you know in charge of a particular region, which means I am the first person to read applications from those regions. And uh, then there are second readers, there are third readers, there are committee meetings. I mean, each application goes through a a lot of hands. So I my voice isn't the only one that has an impact on on the student's future. Um, the, many people uh, weigh in before we make final decisions and and solidify our our class in a lot of ways and and, and offer uh, admission to a, a set of students. So there's just a, there's a lot of dialogue that happens. Um and this is again why it's so important for students to take the opportunity, you know, in essays or uh short answers or just the the blanks on the the, the extracurricular chart to say as much about themselves as possible because we're discussing it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Colin, yesterday in the Daily Beast there was a story about the quote-unquote silver bullet of applying early. And I know you're one of the schools that have an early application. What are your thoughts about how students should determine if they use that option? Oh, that's such a fabulous question. Um, well, the thing to remember about applying early is that colleges and universities, they're going to be assessing you based on your um 
academic work and extracurricular work from your freshman year through your junior year. So if you are, and there are a lot of schools that are like this, where where your most uh, rigorous classes are only offered in your senior year or they only um, are available, like maybe some schools only, APs are only available to seniors and things like that. It might be wise to wait for regular, but, you know, if you feel that you're you're a really strong candidate, then go for early. But, you know, that's that's just something to, to think about. Uh, we are looking at you from freshman year to junior year. If you've had any grade stumbles, um, we aren't going to see the, the the really strong performance you're going to put in senior year and, unless you're deferred to the next uh, admissions deadline. So that is, that's really the, the thing to think about, you know, how does your freshman through junior year work look? Okay. Now, do you, what is the decision when students apply early? Is it admit or defer, or is it admit, defer, decline? We we do, we can deny students early. Yes, that oh, is a possibility. Really? Risky. Who wants to get that kind of news right before Christmas? I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, that that is. Yeah. But I mean, typically, I mean, when we when we think about students and the and when we look at the the patterns of of learning that that show on the transcript, you know, we can also say, hey, wait a minute, maybe the student's going to really put forth an incredible effort, and it's worth seeing another set of grades. And so that's when that defer option comes in. So I think I, I think we, and I, I can speak generally, I mean, I think we like to see a full record before we can, we, we will deny. Um, it, it, it is oftentimes better to see everything that a student yeah. has to offer. You know the only so thing, the, the, though, I guess I guess let me mm-hmm. let me just to to close that off. So I would say if a student wants to apply early, don't let the fear of an early denial steer you away from applying exactly. early because it, exactly. it, the odds are you are really engaged and and enthusiastic about the school, and that's usually the really a really strong application. Especially if you can do it by November first, because I know. I, you know, work with students who are fall athletes, and if you have soccer, cross country, or those other activities going on, it can be hard to meet a November deadline, so you really have to be on top of things. And so, um, so yeah. Now, I wanted to just take a quick break so I can get some water. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Okay. Colin, are you still there? Yes. I am. Great. Now, prior to the show, I mentioned to you that I had spoken with a local guidance counselor at a large high school here in the Ohio area. We'll be back with more of the education. Sorry about that. So um, one of the things in my conversation with her, I'd mentioned that I would be talking with you today on the show, and she questioned just how holistic your process is for applicants. And I wanted to ask if you can talk about it a bit more and 
explain it or describe it, you know, for our listeners so that they can mm-hmm. understand just what it means to be holistic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. perhaps when she's listening to the show, it might dispel some of her concerns in what she's been okay. seeing. Okay, very good. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the word. All right. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. I, basically, um, I, I think parents and and students and maybe even guidance counselors they will they will reduce um, college admissions to just numbers, uh, meaning test scores and and cumulative GPAs. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much more to that to to admissions. Um, we, you know, we we pride ourselves on a, a holistic uh, admissions review, which means uh, everything that a student does in high school that they tell us about has an impact um, on our I- admissions um, decisions. So uh, we we care very much about what what students have to say. So we ask for quite a bit of writing, uh, just both the the, the Common application. We're a common application school, and we have a supplement. And our supplement asks for even more writing. Um, we care very much about uh, what teachers have to say. I mean, teachers help us uh, give us the academic context uh, for a student. Um, the guidance counselor helps us see the student in the larger uh, school community. And if the, the counselor knows the student well enough, maybe the, 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 the neighborhood or the larger community beyond the school. Um, when we look at transcripts, my goodness, we're looking at the entire transcript, not just the final GPA. We're looking at the, the rigor of the, the coursework that the students um, have been taking. Uh, we look at how well they performed within that rigor. And we're looking, you know, freshman to junior or freshman to senior year, depending on the, the time cycle that the, the student applies. Um, we, if a student decides to s- submit supplemental uh, information, uh, be it an art supplement or, uh, you know, a CD of, of music that they that they uh, play or composed or, you know, whatever. We're looking at all of this. And, in fact, we bring in other members of the, the, the campus to help us assess some of this extra supplemental work. So we really are looking at the whole student. We, we tr- strive to understand the student in their individual academic context, you know, the, the context of their high school. We don't compare students um, from other schools because each high school is very, very different. So we're very attuned to um, the individuality of students. Mm. Now, you said something that was a question for me when you talked about not comparing uh, across schools. What about intra-school? I mean, is there ever this may not be the right way to ask this question, but is there a cap in terms of maybe you have 10 students that apply from one high school, but you don't want to have that kind of concentration within your cohort that you admit? Yeah, no, we don't put any caps on Mm -hmm. the number of students um, that that we admit from a particular school. Uh, the the only cap we have is that we are looking to bring in, you know, every, every school has a, just so many slots in their class. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is really what governs um, the numbers 
uh, of students that, that that each school can admit. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want to go back to the extracurricular because you touched on it a little bit earlier, and one of the things that it stirred in me is that if students feel compelled to fill out everything on the <laughs> extracurricular, that could cause a little bit more undue stress because it doesn't seem like you're looking for all 10 of the extracurricular items to be filled out. You know, like students feel like they need to do a lot of things for, you know, a day at a time to show that they're doing something. But you also want some quality and depth in terms of the extracurricular. But you can speak to it from your side in terms of the extracurriculars mm-hmm. and how those are presented from the common well, app. Well, I mean, I, I'm i always a fan of, you know, students should be engaged in the extracurriculars that interest them, the things that they like, right. things that they mm-hmm. that they are dedicated to, the, the sort of um, just joining a whole bunch of things to, especially, say, in the junior year, the, becoming the junior oh, yeah. joiner in, <laughs> in a way, just to sort of pad the resume. It, a, it, it, it shows. We, we definitely can see that. Exactly. And, 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 and B, there's no need for it. Um, yeah. If you do one activity, you probably do it for a long period of time. And so let us know about that on the extracurricular chart. If you do five, then tell us that. Don't feel compelled to, uh-oh, I, I better pack on like six more activities just so, you know, that there's no need for that. Be honest yeah. about who you are and do the activities that interest you. One of the things you said earlier was you mentioned about teachers and what teachers have to say. One of the questions I've had come up from students sometimes is, I want to have, you know, this person from the community do a recommendation. And when it's not academically related, I mean, how do they really, what do they bring? And so it's more of a question around how you look at those types of extra recommendations. In addition the supplemental to, recommendation, yeah. yes, yes, and, and in addition to the academic recommendation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it it depends on who is writing the recommendation. I mean, if this mm-hmm. is somebody who is a, a former teacher who has become a mentor, they can give a, you know a richer sort of uh, perspective on the student's maturation academically. Um, If this is a community leader or someone involved outside of the classroom, a troop leader, anything like that, they Mm -hmm. can speak to a student's character. Um, and, and from, and usually again, it's, it's over a long period of time. And so that is valuable in a recommendation. And the thing, the key word you said though was supplemental. They're not uh, in lieu of the teacher recommendations, they're additional. Not at all. <laughs> they okay. are additional. Exactly. Exactly. And okay. and I would say I would uh, advise students to limit the supplemental recommendations to like maybe two or three, ten, eleven. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> too <not> much. It. <laughs> it's too much. And I mean, it, 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 will there really be added value if we have that tenth recommendation? No. Probably not. So, exactly. so to limit that a bit, yeah. yeah. So in the last couple of seconds, if you can share any one tip that parents, just families need to know 
<laughs> right now as they're compiling all of this information for their <laughs> applications and getting them in. Uh, knowledge uh, and research about the schools that a student is applying to, that is what gives you uh, power and confidence in this process. So spend some time researching the schools before writing those essays, before applying. Just, just spend a little time getting to know each school that the student is applying to. And so make sure you don't say that University of Chicago is in Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that wouldn't so, be best. <laughs> thank you so much, Colin. This wraps up our show today with Colin Johnson, who is the Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at University of Chicago. Thank you so very much, Colin, for joining the show. It was a lot of fun. We have some great shows coming up for you on the Education Doctor Radio, and we'll continue to bring you information that's both strategic and practical for educational success. Please listen to our announcement on how you can stay connected with us. 